Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Um, well, with the uh, Carabao Cup games on tonight, we brought together two s- rivals... Uh, two rival brothers, bit of sibling rivalry. Theo and Sam Delaney, both probably known to the Talksport listeners. And one Spurs, one's West Ham, and they go head to head tonight. And they explain the we history of how it happened. Yeah, we got into some family, some family issues at one point. Mm. Um, we also uh, had a chat today too, as we often do on a Wednesday. Tim Vickery joined us. He had some quite interesting stuff yeah, to tell us about. An amazing story, which maybe could catch on. Um, from Argentina, and we had a bit of a chat. We did about yeah. various things. Yeah, and indeed, here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Ah, good afternoon, Paul. I love that story in the Sun today about McDonald's in China. Oh yeah, they now have exercise bikes in the restaurant, so you really? can sit and eat your Big Mac and work while, it off. Work it off while you're doing it. So they should change drive-throughs to run-throughs. <laughs> <laughs> basically they say you're on a running machine yeah. in a sort of semi-sprint and they're ending your chips are they like the that. thing is it's not great yeah. for the digestion I wouldn't I think wouldn't is it so. I mean, really, the idea no. of being on an exercise bike <laughs> as you're eating the burger I suppose it makes you think to yourself you know look, this is these are free calories but of course they're not because whenever they do these things mm. I mean it's always so depressing isn't it they show you like an, an average Sunday dinner and then they mm. say get the take you four days to run that off <laughs> and you say oh don't do that you know, know. give me give me me halfway there was a piece in the times this week about two quality you, street you've got to run three miles it's that sort of thing eat, isn't it? how you can eat well on christmas day well but, you can't uh, just say you can't isn't it? if you but avoid potatoes and the pigs in blankets what's the point yeah. <laughs> come Stupid. on don't ruin it. Absolutely. Tough and enough as it is. Well done, the PGMOL. They're fantastic, aren't they? They're so brilliant. What was the most controversial uh, refereeing on the weekend? It was Paul Tierney at Liverpool versus Spurs. Yeah. Uh, Paul Tierney, uh, Liverpool have had 27 yellow cards and one red. Tierney's issued 11 of them and the red. And so who are they pointed for the Liverpool-Chelsea game? Paul Tierney. Well yeah. done. That, That's brilliant, isn't it? That is quite a perverse appointment, isn't it? Because normally when a referee's had a, a, a bit of previous with a team, and you know we've heard Jurgen Klopp go up to him and say, "I don't have problems with referees, only you." Yeah. It does seem odd that you'd stick him straight back in the so firing he's line. He's in on a no-win situation because if he favours 
he won't deliberately do this, of yeah. course. But if if any decisions look like they're favouring Liverpool, people will say, "Oh, that's because he, you know, he's going against what he did last time." Yeah. Then if he gives Chelsea a decision, they can say, "Oh, there he goes again. He's in a no-win situation. Why put him in that situation, Riley? Why?" Yeah. Honestly. Good point. I'm not arguing with you there. Nah, it does make ridiculous. it doesn't make an awful lot of sense. No. And a more light note. Um, <laughs> they did a mock-up with the Daily Star with Boris Johnson and Noddy Holder, sort of basically saying oh, okay. Christmas is going. You sure it was a mock-up? They didn't yeah, get the two of them face, together. No, no, it was a face. Oh, I saw like face a face thing. Yeah. And incredibly like John McCrick. <laughs> it does, our old mate, late great John McCrick. It's, that's right. If you put Boris's face on Noddy's hair and his and his uh, top hat, you get John top McCrick. Hat, you get the late great John McCrick. Yeah, thank you very much, Andy. Bit well of a done. visual gag, but, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter. Well, I think people get the idea. Describe it as a gag, but there gag. we go. It's very nice. Of an, you. Observation. an observation. An observation. Well, it made me laugh. But <laughs> I, then I had seen it, and listeners haven't, of course. They just have to take our word for it. It did look like John. Yeah. And Colin Rooney, honestly, is there anybody better at invading their own privacy yeah. than Colin Rooney? Honestly, she puts her Instagram is like a constant source of stories. So right. yesterday went to Madame Tussauds and uh, some yeah. lovely photos from Madame yeah, Tussauds. Of the family, yeah, nice. Yeah, it's a bit of a coincidence, though, but tonight at 9pm, Madame Tussauds, the full wax, there's a programme on... Madam Tussauds, that's counters, isn't it? I'm not saying anything about it, but it's funny that on the day that there's a programme about Madam Tussauds, she went to Madam Tussauds. Maybe okay. she was influenced by the Maybe it was just telly. a pure... A pure coincidence. Pure coincidence, Andy. I think it is, definitely. Now, I'm going to ask the listeners a question this afternoon, and it's going to re- lead us on to uh, Rachel Hayhoe Thr- Flint's Thrupney Bits. <laughs> I'll explain more <laughs> in a moment, but we, we start with... Um, we start with... Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you picked up any newspapers, really, though, certainly any tabloid newspaper. Mm. And um, there was a full-page ad for um, the king of rock and roll, Free Coin. Um, and it said this, widely regarded as one of the most significant cultural icons of the 20th century, Elvis Presley revolutionised the music industry and is instantly recognisable across the globe, exclamation mark. And so, in tribute to the king of rock and roll, you can now own a brand new commemorative coin as an everlasting tribute to the man whose music has graced generation after generation. And there's a little side bite here. It tells you what it is. Official Elvis Presley coin, free gift to the nation. It's like it's a bank holiday or something. Yeah. No, it's a coin. It's, it's only what, half it's a what Elvis would have wanted. It's what well. he would have wanted. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> only f- just five hundred thousand have been struck worldwide. You only get one pay household. So if you want two, forget it, because this is a gift to the nation, not just you, mate. And it's free. It's free as well. So it is actually a gift to the nation. Oh, free, yeah. Uh, a two pound fifty uh, postage. Hmm. So I mean, I, I don't think well, they're making it on the postage because yeah. the king wouldn't want that. He doesn't want them to make on the postage. But <laughs> the reason I bring it up is this: it would be great if uh, Paul Tierney or indeed any referee takes yeah. to the field soon, where to to do the toss, heads or tails, you know, ends or kickoff, <laughs> and they've got the Elvis Presley coin. <laughs> So I was interested uh, to know this afternoon yeah. if you are an official or you've or you've played in a game when if maybe look it could be a couple of things it could be a the coin that they use. Uh, going out there without a coin. I'm also interested to know, I mean, there, there must have been situations. I mean, it wasn't one a little while ago where they did what hands it in. The referee didn't yeah. have a coin. And so he did what <laughs> hands it in with the whistle. Favorite. I think it is what hands it, what hands my pen in, yeah, as one. Alan would do for every competition. <laughs> um, and the reason I bring up the, the late, great uh, Ray, Rachel Hayhoe Flint, a, a, a giant of, uh, of cricket, women's cricket especially, oh, yeah. um, we were told years ago when we were doing a cricket show here on Talk Sport, you know, 
years and years ago that um, you know umpires do they transfer mm. something they transfer items from one pocket to another from one hand to another to mark off the balls of an over that's the way umpires generally at all levels and uh, we were told that uh, Rachel Hayhoe Flint when she umpired used Thropney bits old yeah. old look at look them up kids they're yeah. very interesting looking coins yeah very interesting and a she bit trans- like a 50p yeah transfer but smaller transfer transfer them one hand to the other hmm. so again umpires can get involved in this so um some of the quirkier items that you might use to conduct the toss or if you're an umpire or ways you had to start the game when uh, a coin wasn't available and this is all courtesy of the king of rock and roll, the man who revolutionised the music industry and is instantly recognisable across the globe and his music has graced generation after generation. There we are. Talksport.com, text 8 to 89. You can tweet to TSHNJ. That's T-S-H-A-N-D-J to get in touch this afternoon. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Emerson Royale playing the ball in. The flick header is in! Lucas Moura nodding it into the ground and in. And Spurs have the breakthrough. It's delivered high and it's gone in. Would you believe it? It's been there to Mendy and West Ham have surely won it late on here. Kane is there and Kane scores and pierces the atmosphere. Antonio wins a five ball inside the area, ties it in. Oh, what a goal! Yes, one of the three games we're bringing you tonight. Thanks for replaying that massive record goal. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> it is uh, Tottenham uh, versus West Ham. West Ham's record at uh, the uh, the new Spurs Stadium has been pretty good. They had uh, that mm. infamous last minute to equaliser by Lanzini, and of course they won the first. They won. Mm. They were the first team to win there. Uh, one nil uh, a couple of years ago. Um, now two brothers go head to head tonight. The Delaney's. Um, yes. Sam Delaney, yeah, regular voice on the station, uh, West Ham fan, and his brother Theo, Spurs podcaster. Um, and good afternoon, gentlemen. 
Good, Good afternoon, afternoon lads. Yes, <laughs> and let's let's start let's start with the away team. As I was saying, Sam, you don't, you, you probably don't get, go there with a great deal of trepidation because it's been a relatively lucky ground for you so far. No, uh, the game. It's funny people call it our cup final, don't they? But it's fantastic for us because we keep winning <laughs> in in this cup final wherever it's played. But we do go for a little bit of trepidation tonight because it. When the draws first made, I was delighted that we were facing Spurs in the quarterfinal because I think we'd just recently beaten Liverpool. We were riding high and Spurs were doing really badly. But in the interim period, our fortunes have swapped around a little bit. Now Spurs team in the ascendancy, West Ham have had a really bad dip in form over the last few weeks. So I guess game on. When the draw was made, I was I thought it was easy. I thought it was a gimme. But things have changed <laughs> great deal so I don't know what will happen I think it'll be interesting to see what teams have picked obviously Covid's going to affect certainly our lineup. I don't know about Spurs I assume Spurs as well but we don't know who yet but there's a, a lot of rumours flying around about um, people on our uh, both the team and the staff having got positive tests and in any case I'm sure Moyes would want to probably play with the selection tonight so a lot of it will depend on on which manager is able to put out or chooses to put out the strongest side. Mm. That's it. Spurs have had a winter break. They have. They've had a, yeah. they've had a minor winter break, yeah. yeah. But they've still got a couple of players out. Tonight. That's a good point that Sam makes there, isn't it? Because I think, uh, me, like you, Tottenham fans thought, oh, West Ham, that's going to be tough. Um, and I'm sure it still will be, but we're in a slightly better place than we were when that draw happened. Well, it's funny. I was going to say exactly the same that, that Sam said. It's almost as if we're brothers. Yeah. It's the same. <laughs> like you know. telepathy going on. <laughs> I know. As soon as that draw was made, we are like, oh, that's all we need. West Ham at this point in our, you know, they're absolutely flying. But they've had a bit of bad luck with injuries, I think. They've, they've lost uh, Zuma, haven't they, and Ogbonna, who are their best mm. two centre-backs. Yeah. And I think that could be a, a crucial factor, and that's playing into our hands. And according to uh, Conte, there's no COVID in our squad right now and, and injury wise we're really only missing important player wise uh, Romero mm. and actually the back three has been playing pretty well even in his absence I mean they were I mean it's incredible actually what Conti's managed to do with the form of some of these players who've looked who looked finished some of them I mean Dyer is, is a revelation Conti's saying he can be one of the best centre backs in the world <laughs> uh, at, you know given given time given time he did put in some provisos Davis is playing well. Sanchez is playing well. So that's a back three. But the real revelation of the weekend, something we never, ever thought we'd see again, was Winks and Deli Alley having really, really good games. Mm. So not only... So we, do, we don't have many injuries. COVID's gone. And we've got... It's almost like getting new players watching Deli and Winks play like that. So, yeah, it's turned around since the draw. We go into it with some optimism. But West Ham do always turn up for this game big time and they've got some special players you know Rice and Antonio in particular are top players are getting most top teams I think obviously peer pressure never played a part Sam in the Delaney family because another one of your brothers is a QPR fan so you 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 were kind of given the 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 freedom to to choose your own team we've got a fourth brother who's a West Ham fan so I had three much older brothers Mm. and they each of them supported different clubs right so what made you made that choice uh, um, I had a really good friend Mm. who was a, a West Ham fan who lived near to us and his dad used to sometimes take us and um that was probably that plus my brother. The fact I think it's where you get taken when you're young. Yeah. And I went to Upton Park quite a lot when I was young as a result of my older brother and my um and my and my mate. And so yeah, 
I guess that's how it happened. I mean, it really should have been QPR, in all honesty, because that's where we lived. Right. Oh, yeah, of course. And no. once you're stuck with a club, you're stuck with a club. You are, that's you? right. Life sentence. I've, I've not been surprised by Spurs' improvement. Uh, having watched Antonio Conte closely at Chelsea, and into, I knew he was going to do a good job. He's a great manager. He just makes players mm. better, and that's what he does. And, yeah. And that, yeah. I mean, like, that but does... Andy, yeah. Andy, like me, were you not furious that he didn't go to Man United? Oh, absolutely furious. Yeah. Yeah. I, was so, <laughs> I was just livid that he took the Spurs job. I was like, what were you thinking? This is a disaster. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Absolute disaster. We'd turn them around, and so yeah, it yeah, seems yeah. that he's done so yeah. So how did Spurs claim you then, Theo, amongst all those options? Well, Spurs is the Delaney family team. So we've got eight oh. uh, uncles and aunts, and most of them are Tottenham. So I don't remember being anything else, because I'm the oldest right. of the brothers. Mm. I, um, I'm Tottenham from the cradle. And I don't remember any any different. Um, Sam, yeah. I mean, Sam yeah, said I lived won. with my dad, and I didn't. And my oh. dad's a Spurs oh, fan, wow. so that's well, the crucial yeah. thing. I had no. It's all getting a bit. It's all getting a bit Jeremy had, Kyle. This. I had, yeah. no, I had yeah. no dad or uncle overseeing my choices. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's going to be. It, it, you have to think that Spurs are favourites tonight. They're at home. The crowd obviously will be slightly reduced, but it'll still be a big crowd, and they're going to be right behind. Well, West Ham so. got six thousand there. I mean, even if yeah, a, a few of those don't I, go I, along, that's going to be a big turnout. Sam's right. Though. It's just what team can David Moyes put out? That's yeah. The thing. Um, so <coughs> you're, you're feeling confident. I mean, they're going to make changes tonight, Theo. I'm sure. You know, there will be a, a few tweaks to the squad. I think um, Sessegnon sadly picked up an injury yeah, against Liverpool. Injured. Yeah. So that, that yeah. and he played he played pretty well the other day. I'm sure they would like to give him another run out, but. Um, yeah. Regulon's fit, but look, it'll be a, a slightly different side. Um, but you feeling you feeling pretty confident? I think against West Ham, you can never take anything for granted because they tend to play even when they've got problems. They mm. tend to really, really turn up. But I think it'll be a great game. Sadly, I can't go. So there's been a COVID outbreak in my house. Oh wow! So I will have to be. So I'm watching <laughs> it on the telly, which I'm absolutely gutted about. But one thing's for sure: I think it'll be a really good game. Partly because of you know the defence is a, a little uh, the departments that are a bit depleted so it, it, that suggests there might be you know quite a few goals and uh yeah the atmosphere and everything even even if the crowd's slightly reduced i think it'll be amazing i, I can't really wait for it i think the competition's wide open as well because liverpool you know they've had three games in six days against a team that's had two weeks off so unless they're a decent so that could be difficult for liverpool chelsea i don't fancy at all at brentford whatsoever so they could get through arsenal, arsenal through already, through already. Yeah. so it is a tournament that is there for the winning, I think. Well, because City aren't in it. I mean, that's City the key, isn't it? it. You know, well, West, West Ham knocked out United and then City yeah, in the last well, two rounds. Well, you so, then deserve to basically go through tonight. I think it's only fair, isn't it? I, I think that would be fair. <laughs> I just think it's the same what's happened in yeah. the interim to our defence, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I saw yeah. some comments from uh, good point from David Moyes they've been saying in this 13 plus 1 rule if you've got 13 fit players and a keeper you've got to play that includes people from the 23s or the academy that have been involved mm. and David Moyes making the point that you've played quite a few academy kids Sam this year and so it's kind of yeah. penalising those managers that have given the kids a chance against those that haven't because they'll have to be now considered these young kids who've probably got 15-20 minutes here and there in, in cup games or whatever suddenly they're seen as first team. So if you can put out 13 of them, yeah. including them, they've got a play, which is a bit tight, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it does feel like it's penalising us a little mm. bit. That said, you know, it, it would, I'm sure some of us wouldn't mind if if they, if they a lot of them got their chance. Because there's there's good things and bad things there. If we have to field five or six youngsters tonight, mm. then that'll be great experience. It'll probably mean that we lose. 
But at least you come out of it thinking, well, it's great that those players, you know, he played practically a whole team of under 23s in our final game, which was a dead rubber in the Europa qualifiers. And uh, we lost 1-0, but it was really great game to go and watch because mm. you get to see all these young players, they get experience. I personally think, I mean, really, the game shouldn't shouldn't really go ahead. I mean, it's just so unfair on, on the players as well. I saw Jordan <laughs> Henderson's come out today and just said, you know, like, <laughs> no one's thinking about any of the players being exposed in this way. Like, you know, fans are making choices about whether or not they should turn up or whether it's safe to turn up and all the rest of it. But there's never really, the the, the players don't seem to have any choice whatsoever. They're just made to play. Yeah. And, um, you know, I listen, I, it sounds like I'm saying this because of the fact that we have an injury crisis and Tottenham are on good form. But I think it would be better for everyone if it just got postponed until February. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll certainly... I, I tend to feel the same we'll about uh, Brentford-Chelsea tonight. Fellas, <laughs> good to talk to you. Enjoy the game. Have good Christmases and we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Cheers, guys. Merry Christmas. Cheers. Bye. Sam Delaney and Theo Delaney there. Yeah, they were good. And uh, that's one of our three games tonight. Just to remind yeah. you, uh, you can uh, hear that one on TalkSport 2, quarter, all quarter eight kickoff. We've got Liverpool-Leicester here on TalkSport. Adrian Durham with you from seven. And Brentford-Chelsea is on the TalkSport app. And of course, Jamie... Also Owen. on TalkSport 3 is me going shopping at Sainsbury's because I can't be bothered to watch the game. <laughs> right, Andy Switzer. If you want to follow Andy around Sainsbury's, <laughs> that would be quite interesting. Put it on Insta. See, see what they've run out of. This is basically... Andy just rails against what they've run out of rather than it being football. He'd be shouting pathetic at the fruit and veg islands. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Tomorrow we're going to be mm. uh, kind of shunting a lot of the Friday stuff to Thursday because on Friday we've got the Christmas mm. Eve party with the listeners from around the world, virtually, of course, in these uh, difficult times. And uh, we will have a three-way, first ever three-way uh, T20 birthday spread. Max versus me versus Charlie. Uh, along with all the old yeah. uh, karaoke classic clips of the past, which uh, hopefully you'll enjoy. Uh, so, yes, anyway, oh, yeah, in the meantime. It. I've written 11 jokes. I don't know how good they are. I'm, yes. I'll filter them down. That should be... You're going to get your five, five, absolute, should be five absolute doozies, yes. Yes. <clears throat> um, what else have we got now? Uh, we've got that... Uh, Planning news, a bit of planning news for you. Oh, have you? That's good. Always good. Always love a bit of planning news, yeah. That's uh, Judy Murray has emerged triumphant in her struggle against one of Scotland's wealthiest women. Uh, she's trying to create a 40 million tennis and golf hub on the outskirts of Dunblane. Mm. Uh, plans were originally rejected by councillors after residents claimed they'd lead to the destruction of the Park of Keir, oh, yeah. a popular beauty spot, but uh, she faced stiff resistance, but she's managed to get it through. Fantastic planning news. I think we all hang on every word, don't we? Well, I think the one we'll never forget was uh, Kevin Keegan's <laughs> extension. That yeah. was the one we followed. That's very true. It was like Watergate. Yeah. Every week there was a development. I don't it, know if you saw uh, Kevin Peterson, um, and I thought, this is nice. He, mm. yeah, I was reading in his tweet. It says, please, 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 just give these England cricketers a bit of slack. And Ashes tour is incredibly uh, tough, uh, and these are not normal times right now. And I read it, that bit, and I thought, yeah, you know, fair play. Uh, it's the brotherhood of cricketers. Then he adds, OK, their batting is horrendous, I know. But go easy, please. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kev. Thanks for it. What about the fielding? That's not too much better. <laughs> it's a compliment it was, in there somewhere. It was somewhere. very interesting. I don't know if you saw Michael Owen's tweet about Emma Raducanu. Yes, he did. He took he a bit of heat for it yesterday. For it, but I thought, I thought, you've just made this about you. It's not about you. I mean, what is wrong with people? And, of course, he got hammered online for doing it, but he, it's not surprising. He did. Uh, yeah, we found out yesterday he loves bingo. 
Does he? To the bingo in Chester, yeah. He, mm, yeah he's yeah, a big fan. Um, have you ever... Fun, yes, um, big uh, TV turnover moment, says Adrian, the Arsenal fan. The whole mm. family gathered round the telly because Andy is going to ask them in Sainsbury's tonight when he's doing his Christmas shopping to put on the Brentford-Chelsea TalkSport commentary from the app, so good luck with that. The whole family gathered round the telly to watch the last Formula One race of the season. And my son is a fanatical F1 fan. Just as they restarted the race, Max was about to overtake Lewis. I reached for the control to turn the volume up and accidentally turned the channel <laughs> over by mistake oh no oh no what a disaster Adrian um, three of us sat in rural France during the Women's World Cup and asked the bartender to put the England game on they didn't even know the tournament was on but we managed to convince them to change the channel much to the anger of the locals says Dan in Burton so uh, yeah big TV if you've been bold enough to make that call to turn the channels over key moments uh, and for uh, against probably the wishes of everybody else in the room or the pub, talksport.com, text 1889, tweet to TSH&J. Tomatoes have toppled the potato as Britain's favourite vegetable. I thought you'd I like wasn't that. expecting you to say no, that. I know you weren't. And uh, <laughs> the thing that's wrong with that is the tomato isn't a vegetable. Oh, it's it's a, oh yeah, it's, you're a, do, fruit. it's a fruit. Okay, it's a fruit. fair enough. No, right, but we're going to go down I that, can't have that, one, I'm that particular route at the moment. <laughs> uh, do you see Mick Schumacher is the Formula One driver yes. who has uh, run up the biggest repair bills. Four million quid. They Silly horse. Yeah, for, that's exactly. That's uh, probably what they say in his... Yeah. Um, four million pounds worth of damage... Uh, <laughs> to his car so you can imagine that can't you it's like you go you go to the garage and they say well, we've had a look at it you know and um, you're not going to see much change from four million quid I'm afraid Mick <laughs> oh well I'll go with the bloke down the road then four I didn't million influence, I didn't manage to influence John Cross the other day Cross he's still going on about the fact that Chelsea are absolutely fine oh. he goes <clears throat> Chelsea in his piece today Chelsea failed with their attempts to get the trip to Wolves on Sunday postponed and was still able to use 58 million pound US forward Christian Pulisic in attack yeah as a striker which he isn't, but don't worry oh. about it. They also had four full internationals in Sao Niguez, who previously been unpickable. Ross Barkley, who's leaving, and M- Matteo Kovacic, who's played one game in nine weeks, and Kepa Arezabilaga, who isn't particularly great striker. I think you'll find. <laughs> well, I don't know. You could. Might, I'd like to see him up. That would be the ultimate protest to play Pretty. Kepa up front as a target Honestly, man. I mean, Thomas Frank as well. Beating Chelsea, the champions of Europe, would be a massive statement. Yeah, it would be if you were actually playing Chelsea, the champions of Europe, not their reserves well, Andy, and under twenty-three you know, teams. If Brentford don't win tonight. Like Frank should be fired. Really? Should go, should he? Oh, absolutely. 03717. Sack the manager. He's got to go. No problem. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yep, time to head to Rio and uh, catch up with our South American correspondent, Tim Vickery. Good afternoon, Tim. Afternoon, gentlemen. How are you doing? Yeah, we're not yeah, too good. bad. Yeah, Thank you. We're looking forward to Boniek's brave new idea, the former Poland uh, legend, of course, who wants to introduce the top six teams in South America into the Nations League. Yeah. Do you remember the '86 World Cup? Do you remember England was in uh, Poland was in England's group, mm. and England supporters launching abuse at Boniek that you could clearly pick up over your TV screens? Um, yes. Well, this is uh, this is interesting. If you put your ears to the ground. Can you hear those tectonic plates shifting? Mm. I think there's some shifts going on there. Now, let me take you down, because I'm going to <laughs> 1966. Wouldn't we all like to go back to 1966? Wasn't it a good time? Because, but it's also the time when South America splits away from Europe. Mm. South America comes away from the 66 World Cup thinking it's been stitched up. Asia and Africa are unhappy. And what happens as a consequence is that the Brazilian João Havelange he puts together a coalition 
South America leading Africa and Asia. He wins the FIFA presidency in 74 and it changes the game. It means that the World Cup has expanded from 16 to 24 to 32 with more places for the, de the developing world. It means that there's World Cup started at under 17, under, under 20 level that the developing world can stage as well. So that was a huge shift of the tectonic plates. Havilland was such a self, selfless man, though, wasn't he? <laughs> Tremendous. Didn't, didn't do well out of it or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, not, not at all. I, I remember uh, chatting <clears throat> to him when he was in his 90s, uh, and uh, I wouldn't have boxed with him then. You know, you, you didn't mess with him. Mm. You didn't mess with, uh, with, with Havilland. But now South America is back with Europe. This is very, very interesting with this idea of moving into the Nations League. Now, I, I think this is a negotiating ploy. This is South America joining forces with Europe to try and head off FIFA's current uh, brainwave for the World Cup every two years, which Africa supports, large parts of Asia supports, South America doesn't, Europe doesn't. Can the whole thing go ahead without Europe and South America? Obviously, it, wouldn't be, it would be worth a fraction of what it would be worth with these two teams, with these two these two continents involved. So this, to me, looks like a negotiating ploy. We will do this. We will go our own way if FIFA persists with this plan of a World Cup every two years. Because when you when you test it, FIFA's monopoly over football is a fiction. It can be challenged, mm. and Europe thought about challenging. There, there was there was a Belgian in the early 70s, who thought about breaking away then because he didn't like the direction that things were going. Uh, Europe and South America, that, that they could break away. I suspect, and I've got no inside track here, but I suspect that there is a peace formula. And the peace formula m might be FIFA withdraw the World Cup every two years in return for full European cooperation with an expanded Club World Cup. Mm. South America would go for that. Europe might go for that more reluctantly, but as a sop in order to avoid having a World Cup every two years. Is there anywhere anyone going to say, look, hang on a minute, these players are just playing far, far too much? I, I know they won't because it's money, and it's the golden goose, but it, it just makes no sense, this. From a player welfare point of view, it's a disaster. Yeah, well, uh, Arsene Wenger's uh, proposals include a compulsory three-week gap after the tournaments. I don't think that's going to be observed. If, if everything mm. comes in, I, I think that'll be the first thing to go because what clubs will do, they'll fix up friendlies in the Far East in those three weeks and it, it, it won't be observed. So uh, I'm, I'm inclined to doubt the validity, the validity of that one. I mean, he's also been making the point that we'll see players travelling mid-season less than they do this kind of mayhem we often see of players going over to South America to play a couple of games, certainly in the last year or so, which has made it even more complicated. He says his scheme and Infantino's scheme will do away with, with that, lots of transatlantic um, flights around the world. But again, ask the players, mm. what did Sergio Aguero say last week when he retired? What did he love most of all? The Argentine national team. So essentially, what, what this, what, and why South America? South America was initially uh, interested in the idea of a two-year World Cup. What it saw when it examined it was that it, it was an attack on qualification as well as an attack on, on the Copa America because there's going to be no time for a Copa America. But the attack on qualification is, is, is important from a South American point of view because they have a qualification campaign that works. And also, this is I, I know you lot over there, you moan with the, with the FIFA breaks. I understand it. It means that the rhythm of your season is being interrupted. But now look at it from the point of view of a South American audience. 
That's the only time that we get our players back. Mm. It's the only time that South America is able to see the players that it produces, either in World Cup qualifiers or in a Cop America. If the FIFA proposals go through, the Cop America will die effectively, and there'll 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 be many fewer World Cup qualifiers. And it, what it means effectively is you lot will have a, an effective monopoly in Europe on watching the best players all the time. Although you could do, what, and one of the things I don't agree with Arsene Wenger on virtually anything, but I do, because I proposed this ages and ages ago to have an international block, have no breaks during the season, but have a, a whole block where you play the qualifying in South America over, I don't know, eight week period or whatever they've got so many games over so many countries we could do that they couldn't do that because of the amount of games you play because of the amount of teams well, in you your could group. split it into two couldn't you yeah you, you you could do and that 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 is a possibility that would reduce the amount of traveling um that that could be part of a of a peace formula as well uh, but certainly i think fifa are playing a dangerous game if they want to f- press too hard mm. because if you look at other sports you know there's been all kinds of breakaways i mean how many regulatory bodies are there in boxing yeah we we can all remember kerry packer doing it in cricket mm. there is nothing to stop those from break you know if europe and south america want to break away they can break away um we'll move on then ronaldo brazilian ronaldo has, has taken over a club in brazil yeah, it's where he first made his name 28 years ago, Cruzeiro, who've fallen on hard times. They're a big club, but they're, mm. they're, they're now looking looking ahead to their third season in Brazil's second division. Now, until recently, Ronaldo couldn't have done this, but there's been a change in the law in Brazil, making it easier for clubs to be turned into businesses. And Ronaldo, with some complex negotiation, has uh, ha- has been able to take over the club. It's going to mean a lot of money because the debts... Is the debt is around 150 million pounds. Wow. He's got he's got 10 years to pay that off. Quite you know, on top of the money that he's going to have to invest in the in the in the club. Uh, there's talking of at least 50 million pounds going in, in 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 the near future. What I haven't really worked out is where he sees the return as coming from. You know, where is he going to is he going to make a profit on this? I've been talking to a, a specialist in Brazilian football finance, and he says that there's an expectation that in five or ten years' time there will be a market for clubs. Now, the same way that there's a market for the buying and selling Premier League clubs. <clears throat> and if he if he's bought low now, he can sell high later on. But it is, it, is, it is a risk. And he, he's, he's got a similar thing with Valladolid in yeah, Spain. Yeah, I was going to say that. I read a piece in Sports Illustrated about his involvement with Valladolid. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, they've gone down to the second division since he took, took them over. In comparison with Valladolid, Cruzeiro, their financial position is worse and the pressures will be far greater. Because Valladolid are like, you know, provincial also runs. Cruzeiro have won big titles and expect to win big, big titles. And the expectation now of the fans is now that he's got involved, it's just going to be like waving a magic wand. So it, it, it's a risky thing. It could be the start of some kind of revolution in Brazilian football. But at the moment, you look at it and you think, well, where's the return going to come from? Now, you say they've been uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of a, of a great goal. I'm trying to think what it would be. Yeah, I was thinking that. It's obviously not Carlos Alberto because that's, that's longer than that. So what are we talking about? Well, you you often accuse me of trying to take you back to 1970s England. I'm now going to take you back to 1970s Argentina. Uh, the 19th of December, 1971. Now, Argentine football has recently before that, it's gone national. And quite often, you know, the biggest, keenest rivalries are in cities that are big enough to have two clubs, but not big enough for three. 
And that's true about the city of Rosario. It's Argentina's second city. It's about a six-hour bus ride north of Buenos Aires. And there's two big clubs there, Rosario Central and the splendidly named Newell's Old Boys. Uh, and uh, they've been at each other's throats for ages. And this game, 19th of December, 1971, this was the biggest one they'd ever played because it was national. It was a national semi-final played in River Plate Stadium in Buenos Aires. And Rosario Central won 1-0. The goal was scored by Aldo Poi with a diving header. And the Rosario Central fans, they instantly decided that this was a goal that was so important that it has to be celebrated for 100 years. <laughs> so every year on the 19th of, of, of December, they get together uh, and uh, some fan has the honour of throwing the ball up and Aldo Poi will reproduce his diving header and then it'll go mad and celebrate. And they've done it every year since 1971. <laughs> uh, it's brilliant. I love this story. And Aldo point out, he's now in his mid-70s, but he's still game for it. He'll wow. still do it. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, on Sunday, they get together and throw the ball up and then he, he heads it into the back of the net. They've done it. They did it once in Cuba because Shea Guevara, was from Rosario and was a fan of Rosario Central. So they took Aldo Poi to Cuba and it was Che Guevara's son who kind of lobbed the ball up for Aldo Poi to head it, a diving header into the back and then they all go celebrating. It's, it's a brilliant story mm. and it gets even more bizarre because the fella who was supposed to be marking Aldo Poi back in 1971 called Ricardo Di Rienzo, centre-back for Newell's Old Boys, a couple of days after the game, he protested about chest pains. So he went to hospital and he had his appendix out the surgeon who performed the operation was a Rosario Central fan, and he he embalmed part of the Rienzo's appendix, <laughs> and it's like a religious artifact. <laughs> it <laughs> still relic. comes out. Very, this very is the strange. appendix of the man who didn't who didn't mark uh, uh, Aldo Poi. An Argentine footballer. It, it, it is footballer's religion. I remember when Racing won the, the league title a few years ago uh, for the first time in a while, and there was one bloke. He, honestly, it's a true story. He dug up his granddad. And he paraded, who had uh, passed on to the other side, and he paraded around the streets with his granddad's skull because he knew that his granddad would love to be part of the celebrations. Only in South America, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Well, I'm just thinking, yeah. like, mm. the Arsenal fans could get together after after 1971 and like, do a Charlie George. Someone would yes. put... And, yes. then, and, then you, and then you have to lie on your back. Yeah. So Charlie has to turn up and score the goal and then lie on his back and everybody in the... Yes, yeah, a good idea. I'm surprised he's not taken off around the world. But as you say, only in South America yeah, yeah. would they do something as mad as that. Tim, um, always a pleasure. Um, have a great Christmas and we will catch up with you in uh, 2022. All the best. Look forward to it. Cheers. There we are. There's Tim Vickery there, our man on South. Brilliant story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, good story. <laughs> Get together every year and it's like a phoenix from the flames. Mm. Sensational. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon show. Charlie's back with me tomorrow. Uh, Andy is back. No, you're, you're back on Friday, aren't you? Yeah, back Friday. For uh, to, the yeah. Christmas Eve show Tremendous. and that special uh, T20 birthday spread. Until then, have a fine evening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.